Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is the epistle lesson from 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. How often in life we want proof to have some peace. That husband and wife who have their first baby, that newborn, just a week old, and every little sound they hear from that room, they jump up and check the video monitor to make sure the baby's okay. Oh, all right. The husband and wife who have an older child, who just want to get a text message from their teenage son that he's okay, and tell us what time you're going to be home so we can go to bed and be at peace. The husband who says to his wife, driving down the road, I think I closed the garage door. But just to have some peace, they travel back the two miles to make sure that, yes, it really is closed. <laughs> or I suppose now you can do it even on your phone, right? To, to make sure that you turn the oven off, you can check your app, or even turn it off from your app. That peace that we want, that proof that we want to, to give us that peace in our hearts. Or how about the daughter who has become a caregiver, who wants to watch mom take those pills with her own eyes to prove that she really is like she's supposed to be. Or checking that account balance to make sure that, yes, the money really has been deposited. It's in my account. Okay, I can be at peace. So many times in life, we want proof with our eyes so that we can have some peace. The old idiom says that seeing is believing. But is that really true? I mean, if you have to see it with your own eyes, is it really believing? The Bible says that faith is being certain of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. I mean, can you put your faith in something that you cannot see? Can you trust in something that you don't have visible proof of? You do it regularly. You know that, right? Every time you take a breath, you believe that there's going to be some oxygen there for you to inhale, even though you don't get to see it. You don't question it, do you? Love. 
You can't see love. But I know that you believe it's real, don't you? When you take your car to the mechanic and you sit in the waiting room, you entrust your vehicle that you're going to get in later on and drive 70 miles an hour in to someone you've never maybe even seen before. <laughs> you're putting a lot of faith in that person. Or you get on the airplane and that pilot you might get a little glimpse of. You don't know who he is. <laughs> but you have faith that he's going to get you to your destination safely. When you sat down this morning, in the pew or the chair you're in. Did, did you for one moment think, I'm not sure if this chair is going to hold me, if this pew is going to hold me up? No, you had faith that you'd sit down and you'd be okay. We put our faith in things that we can't see regularly. We don't need visible proof first. You don't have to test the chair and, or meet the mechanic, right, or, or whatever else it is, to be at peace, to know you're going to be okay. And why do we do this with God? We don't do it with a mechanic. We don't do it with a pew or a chair. Why do we do this with God? Right? Why do we demand proof from him that, that he's real? That he really loves us? That he's really there? That he's really in control? Why do we demand proof so regularly, even if we don't say it with our words or say it to a friend, how often don't those thoughts go through our mind? And we doubt. If I just had a little proof, God, that you were there and that you love me and that you were in control and that, that you were really real, then, then I could be at peace. Then I could know for sure. Then I would really, really fully believe. Seeing is believing. We're here in the season of Easter, and we're focusing in this season on that resurrection and, and what it means. And the truth is, friends, if, if, if Easter Sunday morning didn't happen, if that resurrection is not really real, if Jesus is still laying dead in a tomb in Jerusalem, then all of this is for nothing. You know that, right? None of your sins are really forgiven. You can't have any sort of peace in your life, in your heart. There really is no purpose to your life anymore if Jesus is still dead, if Easter didn't happen. There's no reason for us to have a church. We might just lock the doors and sell the property. There's no point. If Easter really didn't happen... God is going to punish you for your sins. Every single one of them. When you die, you will go to hell. <laughs> if Easter did not happen, if Jesus is still dead, everything changes. For the worse. There's no hope. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no thought of anything after the grave that is good. But friends, if the resurrection is real. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, if that tomb was empty and he lives right now, then it makes all the difference in this life and forever. 
And maybe you want that proof. You want that assurance that, yes, he really is alive, that, yes, it is life-changing and eternity-changing. You, you want that in your life. You want that in your heart and mind so that it can make a difference. You want that proof. And maybe you think, I really need that proof. And, okay, fine. <laughs> Let's look at the proof. Jesus' body was never found. You know that? They have never, in the last 2,000 years, been able to come across a body and, and proven that it was Jesus' body. At, at, when that first happened, when, when Jesus died and Jesus rose, the Jews were afraid that, that his disciples would steal the body and say that he was alive. And so they did everything they could to try to prevent that. They put guards there, and they had the seal on, the, on that tomb. They did their best. But there was no body. There's no dead body there. And if the Jews really wanted to prove that, that the resurrection was a hoax, that Jesus really was dead, why didn't they just show the body? Why didn't they go get it and show everybody? Well, Jesus isn't alive. Look, his body's laying right here. But they never, ever, ever produced the body. You want proof that the resurrection is real? Consider where it happened. Now, if the story came up in, in Egypt somewhere, right, that Jesus is alive, you might doubt it a little bit. Well, how do you, how do you prove that thousands of miles away? But where does the story start? Where do the accounts originate from? Right there in Jerusalem in the same vicinity where he was crucified, right there, ground zero of all of this. That's where the reports start. You want proof that the resurrection is real? Jesus didn't appear just to a couple of people in a dark corner somewhere. He appeared to a number of people over a number of occasions, over 40 days there's one point where he appeared to 500 people at the same time. There were eyewitnesses of, of his being raised, getting to see him and touch him and feel him and talk with him and eat with him. You want proof that the, that the resurrection is real? That that tomb really was empty? That Jesus really is alive? If it wasn't, who would die for a lie like that? Who would put their life on the line for a hoax that a man was alive if he really wasn't? But yet Christian after Christian was martyred. They lost their life for that message that Jesus was alive. All but one of the apostles died for that message, going all the way to a horrible, horrible, brutal death, proclaiming that Jesus Christ was crucified but now is risen. Who would do that? Unless it was true. Friends, we can just use logic. We can just look at the evidence. We can just look at these basic facts and say, of course, of course there's proof that Jesus is alive. Of course he's alive. But you don't even need all of this. 
the reason that we know, the reason we have confidence, all the proof that we need is that the scriptures say so. The scriptures testify that he is alive. And before us this morning, we have these four verses from one of those apostles, from one of those men who was there. And the Spirit leads him to record these words so that we can sit here 2,000 years later and know that, yes, we have all the proof we need. Because the scriptures say so. Listen again to what the Spirit inspires John to write. The Apostle writes, That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This John, who, who writes these words, says, I was there from the beginning. I was one of those who was called to be his disciples, called from a life of fishing to a life of following life of being a disciple of this man. I was there. And I saw the miracles. I saw him turn the water into wine. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him heal the sick and the lame and the paralyzed. I saw him calm the storm by saying, quiet, be still. I heard it. I heard those teachings. I heard him proclaim himself to be the Messiah. I heard him proclaim, repent, the kingdom of God is near. I heard him forgive sin. I was there, John tells us. I was there on that mount of transfiguration. I saw this Jesus shining in all of his glory as God. I witnessed it with my own eyes. I was there in the upper room. And I got to hear Jesus tell us what was going to happen. And I saw him break that bread and say, given for you. And I saw him take that cup and say, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Dear friends, the Apostle John says to us this morning, I was there. And I proclaim it to you. When he was taken away in that garden. And I and the other disciples fled the other direction out of fear for our lives, but they took him. They put him on trial, and they crucified him. I was there at the foot of the cross. I saw it happen. I heard him cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I heard him say, It is finished. I heard him say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I was there. I witnessed it with my own eyes. And dear friends, let me assure you that I was there, and I proclaim it to you. I got to go right into that tomb. The stone had been rolled away and those guards were laying there like dead men. I saw those folded up gray, grave clothes. I witnessed that empty tomb with my own eyes. And friends, I proclaimed to you. But then I got to see him. 
I got to touch him. I got to see those nail marks. I got to see where that spear went in his side. He, he appeared to, to me and those disciples on that Easter Sunday evening, and he came and he said, Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. I'm alive. And then, friends, I got to see him a number of occasions after that for 40 days. For 40 days, I got to see him and talk with him and learn from him and worship him. Friends, I proclaim to you that this one is alive. That's what John says to us through these few verses this morning. To assure us in our doubts. To give us all the proof that we need. An eyewitness account. This same John who got to write the Gospel of John that we read from earlier. Who was then led by the Spirit to write these letters First, second, and third, John, and he writes Revelation as well by inspiration of the Spirit to reveal that risen Savior to us. This letter of 1 John was written to Christians. Christians who more than likely never got to see Jesus with their own eyes. This letter was written approximately 50, 55 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. So many of these Christians would have been new to the faith. Those who didn't get to ever meet the risen Jesus. But the message John brings to his original readers is the same one he brings to us today. It's okay you don't get to see him. It's okay that you don't get to see him with your own eyes and see those nail marks. At least not yet. Because I testify to you, I proclaim to you, that the word of life is alive. That word of God that was from the beginning. And as he writes in his first chapter in the gospel, he says that word became flesh. And that word made his dwelling among us. And that word did die. That word of life went all the way to death, but he is alive forevermore. To bring you the promise of life. To bring you the promise of a new life with him right now. A resurrected life in your baptism. And he comes to bring you that promise of an eternal life with him forever. He says that we have fellowship with the triune God, with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, and now you too, through the risen Christ, have fellowship with God too. You are at one with him. You are at peace with him. Dear friends, see the word of life. See that one coming off of these pages of Scripture. See that one who works through his Spirit to come to give you that gift of faith, to believe this is true, all the proof you need, and to come and give you that peace that your heart so desperately needs. Proof here in the Scriptures. Proof verified in that empty tomb. Proof of a risen Savior. Proof that is your peace. Proof that you are at peace with God. Your sins are forgiven, and you are his. Thomas wanted to see before he'd believe. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, you believe only because you've seen me, but blessed are those. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet, and yet they believe. Dear friend, by God's grace, he's talking about you. Blessed are you. 
that though you didn't get to walk into that tomb and see those grave clothes folded up, though you don't get to see Jesus with your own eyes, though you weren't there to see the miracles and the teachings and on that Mount of Transfiguration, you know, you know without a doubt that he is alive, that he is real, that he is ruling all things for your good, that all of your sins are forgiven, and that life after the grave is yours. This peace that our hearts so desperately long for, it's ours through the risen Christ. Uh, the peace that a text message can't give you, that an account balance can't ever offer you, a, a peace that, that a video monitor could never give, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that only God can give, a peace that is from the risen Christ himself, who comes to you in his word and sacrament continually over and over and over as he gives himself to you, gives you all the proof that you need, and he says, peace be with you. And friends, that truth and that reality of Easter does change absolutely everything. That peace that it brings to our hearts and our minds and that, that promise of that eternal peace that's waiting for us means that that past really is in the past. It really is. Your present really has a new and divinely inspired purpose. And your future? Oh, cannot wait. God grant it. Amen.